So welcome everyone. Today we are very fortunate to have an esteemed guest with us that we're going to be speaking with. We have um, Dr. Praveena Rajendra. And Dr. Praveena Rajendra um, is a certified mental health and awareness practitioner who works with parental narcissistic abuse victims. She uses various techniques and coping mechanisms, including her personal life experience to help victims recognize abusive behaviors, heal and live an empowered life. She has also created a framework known as the Narcissistic Victim Empowerment Technique, which I'm sure we will hear more about today. Um, and it helps victims find freedom from manipulating and controlling thoughts of toxic parenting is the focus. Um, and so we're going to um, uh, hear from her. She's, she has her own column called Mind the Mind, uh, which appears in the sun. And she's Malaysia's national daily uh, writer writing about mental health awareness, Dr. Praveena sits on the board of the Malaysia Mental Health Association um, board. So that's the MMHA. Um, and on the professional front, she uh, wears many different hats. Uh, she's an engineer, academician, researcher, and avid animal activist. So welcome, Dr. Regina, Rajendra. <laughs> um, I want to launch right in and um, and and just kind of put out our topic for today. Uh, and the topic is what is parental narcissism? Can we take a look at that to begin? Thank you very much, Prajinta, for the introduction. And um, I'm happy to be on your show. And thanks for this opportunity. Yes. So to dive straight in to the question, what is parental narcissism? Parental narcissism, so um, before I begin with parental narcissism, I would like to introduce what narcissism is exactly. So I'm pretty sure this is a trend word these days. Many of you would have heard what, uh, or at least heard about narcissists, or heard someone talking about what a narcissist is, or describing someone as a narcissist. But what exactly does narcissists do? Narcissists are people who are self-absorbed. They are so full of themselves in, to the extent that they feel the world revolves around them. It's all about me, me, me. People are talking about me. Everybody is just looking at me, thinking about me. Or I should be the center of attraction. The world around a narcissist revolves around them. It just goes round and round around them. So when I talk about parental narcissism, it's simply, it's, it's an extension of it where, whereby the guardians or a parent is a narcissist. The parent themselves are so self-absorbed that nothing goes beyond them. So parental narcissism is when your guardian or parent or both parents behave in such a manner that they, they look at themselves as superior and they look at their child as a projection of themselves. 
Yeah, so parental narcissism can, can contribute to so many types of abuse which we can discuss as the show progresses on. Yeah. So um, I, I want to ask this question. What you were saying made me think about, um, in addition to them seeing the child as a, an extension of themselves, I think all narcissists see their the people in their inner circle as extensions of themselves because they don't really see them as separate uh, human beings or individuals. They sort of internalize them and process them that way. It's like they take a snapshot of them and and then um, and then they Photoshop it and, and they make it be what they want it to be. You hear a lot of children of narcissists saying, I never felt like I was seen. I never felt like I was heard um, my whole life. I don't think my parent ever really experienced me or, you know, ever really authentically connected with me because of that. Um, but I wanted to say, you know, they also say that narcissism involves a lack of emotional empathy. They may have cognitive empathy where they recognize different emotions and then they try to act accordingly in response to that, even though they're not feeling the emotional component of it, um, but that they lack this, this empathy, which is, you know, feeling another person's pain. As a parent, I think, you know, that's our job is to uh, monitor our children and when they hurt, we hurt. But if you're, uh, if you have narcissistic personality disorder and you're on the deep end of the spectrum and it's a malignant pathological case of it, it's not just a little healthy dose of narcissism, but it's like the real detrimental kind. How do, what is that like w between the parent and the child? If, if the parent can't truly emotionally connect that way, um, do you think the child somehow knows that and, and carries that forward in some way? Or can you talk about that a little bit? So you were right when you mentioned that uh, narcissists generally lack empathy. So they, they do not have that, that capability of emotionally or emotionally connecting with other people. What they see is the projection of themselves on others. So they try to put their thoughts, their, their opinion, their suggestions to the other person, more so when you are a parent. We can understand that a narcissist tries to project it to the people around them. But if you are a parent, the child becomes more of a focal point for this narcissist yeah. to project everything onto that child. So your question is when, uh, how does this work when whether a child will realize this or not? The vicious thing about parental narcissism is the child themselves will not be able to retaliate or react or even give out their opinion simply because they have been exposed to this at a very, very young age where they do not even realize that this is narcissism. Mm -hmm. Many children at a very young age, I would like to give this analogy of an elephant, the baby elephant. Um, not sure whether you've heard about this story or not. It's, it's, it's when a baby elephant being tied to a rope and then 
the rope will be um, you know will be stuck onto the ground with a stick so the person will will you know have a very small stick tied to the baby elephant and the baby elephant will be tied to a spot over there and after some time the baby elephant will try to struggle you know try to escape that 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 uh, rope but nothing happens after a few years the baby elephant may give up after a few attempts the baby elephant will give up but as the baby elephant grows it doesn't realize its strength anymore the stick will remain the same but the baby elephant has grown in size and strength however surprisingly it will not struggle anymore because the mind has been conditioned to think that it will not be able to escape that situation Mm. Hence, a huge adult elephant will not struggle. You will see that the adult elephant is being tied to a small to a rope, to a small stick patched on the ground. It will not struggle to you know to leave that situation. The same thing applies to a child, an adult child of a narcissistic parent. After some time, will be conditioned to think in such a way that they are helpless. they are incapable of doing something about it but that also comes with a certain trigger many of them do not realize that they are still stuck in a narcissistic abuse cycle many of them think that the environment that they live in is normal of course there's always the struggle this pain this this uh, need to to try to do something but they are they feel that they are helpless their voice are not is not heard but each time they try to say something to the narcissistic parent it will be belittled it will be put down there will be guilt tripping you no know, and and you know, elements of shame elements of guilt being put in so that the child will not be able to voice out their opinion so, so this I, is what parental sorry yes yeah. sorry to interrupt i i what you said about shame they say narcissism is a shame based disorder um and i've read different things about that uh about what that means as a shame based disorder that the person with narcissistic personality disorder tries to project that shame onto their partner onto their children onto whoever they can so that they do not have to face it or or confront it themselves um it's too much for them so they want to unload it and offload it onto someone else um i know this is uh another thing that um we were going to talk about is about the role of uh this this uh shame and guilt uh and where maybe that um uh that comes from um uh, like how do guilt and shame uh show up and 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 in these relationships between parents and children when the parent is um disordered when the parent is disordered when narcissism takes place when narcissism is in the parent itself how does guilt and shame manifest this includes fear as well these three emotions are the most prevalent emotions based on my research guilt shame and fear as i mentioned a narcissistic parent would like to 
have their child as a projection of themselves. It's like a toy or a prop or an object. Uh, the child should be something of themselves that they can brag about or they can, you know. Yes. So if that is the thought of the parent or the guardian, the need for the child to be under constant control of this parent is of utmost important. It is essential, crucially, that the child must be under all circumstances, be under the parent's control. So denial of freedom, denial of uh, uh, freedom of speech and things like that. This happens in the process. In order for once at one point, at one stage, when the child reaches uh, a level of uh, where they can think for themselves. Mm -hmm. And when they try to, you know, come up with, with uh, thoughts of their own or they try to speak their mind, these three powerful tools or three powerful emotions is something that a narcissist parent can easily prey upon. Guilt, shame and fear. Guilt is to say things like, I've brought you up, you should be grateful to me. This is how you do it. And there are many ways that they can do it. This is another way of emotional blackmailing. So they can do these things. This is guilt. Shame would be to, to prey upon the, the weak point of a child. So say a child is shameful of something, of uh, probably being overweight. This is just an example. There are many things. Maybe if a child wears braces, and the, the parent can actually pick on it as well saying that you don't look good like this or look at the way you dress up, look at how you walk. This is all not right. You know, things like things to knowing that the child is shameful of that particular point and using that against that child. This is shame. And what more would be guilt or fear, fear of something. The fear can be preyed upon by the parent. The parent will be able to, to say, for example, a child is fearful of a, of a, of a dark spot or a, or a, or a closet example. Mm -hmm. This is another form of abuse where the parent can actually use that against the child, threatening the child that, that they will be put in for a certain amount of hours or another form of, this is also another form of physical abuse, saying, saying things to to trigger the child's fear, guilt, and shame for their own advantage. This is what narcissistic parents can do, and they are very much capable of doing doing such things. Well, I think Especially, that the, the, well, yeah. the child doesn't know that that's happening. They think that, exactly. I mean, if you don't know that there's something that's not as it should be, uh, as a child, you assume that everyone is like this, that every home is like this, and that every parent says these things and that it's normal. You normalize it as a child and you accept that as well. This is how people act. And, and, you know, this is, you know, they love me and I love them. They're my parents because, you know, when it's the parent, you, as a child, you're helpless and you die. We don't, you cease to thrive if you do not have a parent to, to take care of you. So you can't really challenge them or think of them as evil or sick or uh, destructive 
because they're the source of your um, existence, of your livelihood. They feed you, they clothe you, they house you. And so that turns up as a very mixed up, jumbled thing. But I think that even as you become a teenager and you begin to notice that what is happening between you and your parent is not the same as what's happening between your friends and their parents, and you start seeing other things that are different, then I think you start to wonder, you know, even it gets even worse. It amplifies because you start thinking what's wrong with me that makes me deserve such mistreatment and it's my fault and I'm to blame and I'm a terrible person and I'm ugly and I'm fat and I'm promiscuous or I'm worthless or whatever. And you internalize that. You start to believe it because you know you're being mistreated at some point, that, that there's some kind of um, negative, toxic uh, messaging coming from that parent. Then you start to believe, well, well then I must deserve it. It must be me. And you take on that, that shame and that guilt. So I think that it, that a lot of times I have heard, and you'll have to tell me if, if this is correct by your research, that, that sometimes if you have a parent that, uh, is, has a personality disorder, um, that the, the chances are reasonably high that you're going to develop some kind of responsive disorder in response to that shame and guilt and fear. Either you can choose to get rid of your authentic self, just basically silence it, permanently eradicate your true authentic self and adopt a false persona that is beautiful and smart and all the things your parents tell you you're not, or and then you become a narcissist, or you become um, sort of the one that's the healer, the fixer, the, 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 the one that is codependent, and you develop that kind of, of thing. But in response to that fear and guilt and all of the terrible things that are put on you that you start believing once you hit adolescence and start looking around, you start thinking it's you, how, how, does, that, how does that work? Uh, could you talk a little bit more? about that, about how narcissistic parents could actually create children who also have uh, some kind of disorder? So there's two ways that this uh, child can grow up to be, especially when they are in their teens, when they see their surroundings and when they see their friends. And you're right, they tend to internalize these this feelings. It's always, I'm not good enough. This is what I deserve. No, when my parents say such things about me, it must be true because they are my parents. So we internalize these thoughts and feelings and there's two ways to go about this. To find the balance is the, the challenge here. One, you become a people pleaser because you always feel that you're not good enough. So the best way to, to go about it is to please others. The second is to develop grandiose narcissistic traits by yourself in the sense that you don't get these things at home. So you go out and you exhibit, you become a bully, you become, you become a narcissist yourself, like what you mentioned. 
But there's a huge difference if a person who doesn't have this disorder, they, this child, I'm talking about this child, who, who wants to take over, take charge of their life, they may realize that they're adopting these this traits. So when they realize that and they want to change, that's when, that's when the healing process happens. So these two traits, one becoming a people pleaser or either you adopt this narcissistic traits. These are all survival skills, Prajinta. It's all how you survive this. There must be a, a coping mechanism to this, right? So this is how you can see when a child grows up in a toxic environment, when they go out, it will it will be projected in their all their other relationships. Yeah. So if you see a narcissistic child may not have um, good friends, they may not have, uh, you know, reliable people around them. It seems as if uh, when you have that, those kinds of parents, that it's a big challenge to come out of that unscathed, undamaged, where you're perfectly, perfectly healthy, uh, mentally, spiritually, emotionally equipped with all of the skills to navigate through life. It seems as if, if you're going to have to have, uh, it's an adaptation in a sense to develop these disorders, an adaptation that is based on trauma and your desire to survive. And whether you go right and become a narcissist yourself or whether you go left and become a codependent, people-pleasing fixer and healer or empath, as so many people say today, uh, you know, th those are both um, responses to trauma. So in a, in a sense, uh, having a cluster B disorder, you know, narcissism, sociopathy, any of those things is really a trauma response to something that was, that happens that is not healthy, that is dangerous, that is soul crushing and horrible. It's a response to that to help them survive. Um, is that what you're saying? Yes. Yes. So they have to develop some sort of a coping mechanism, a defense mechanism to, 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 to actually ease this internal burden. I would say that they carry a lot of internal burden adult children of narcissistic parents, there is a lot of, of things, chaos in their mind that goes on to, to help them overcome this internal burden that they carry. So that's what they do. They become people pleasers, empaths also. We, we call them empaths, but that's another topic altogether. <laughs> Certain empaths do not know how to create a boundary for themselves. So they absorb the energy of others. You know, we tend to feel that since we are not good enough, we should be accommodating others, accommodating people, mm -hmm. accommodating their requests, listening to them and, and uh, treating their problems as our own. We tend to overcompensate all these things. There's no yeah. boundaries. So even if we call ourselves empaths, I, I feel that there is also a certain way to, to establish a boundary which adult children of narcissistic parents may not have. I don't Especially think they do. I, I don't think they yeah. do have it. And where do you learn it if you've never seen it? Um, exactly. You know, I know my mother was mentally unwell. And she, what she taught me was how to be out of control of myself. 
and how to um, mismanage my my feelings and be dysregulated and and that's what I learned that it's okay to just you know absolutely uh, lose it you know and come apart at the seams and that uh, to be histrionic and to be manipulative and to be um, so ruthlessly goal oriented that nothing else matters and you know there were just a lot of awful lessons there and I know that you know it took me a really long time first of all not to be angry and to forgive her because she was unwell and the product of her environment and did the best she could and that was all she had you know you can't get from somebody what they don't have to give you because they're unwell that's that's foolish of those of us who think we can because you can't they don't have it to give you it's like going into a hardware store and saying I would like to buy a loaf of bread well how does that make sense you know it's a hardware store you need to ask for a hammer or a saw or some nails but they don't have bread they don't know why you would even ask them to give them give you something like that because they're not a bread store what are you doing in a hardware store trying to get bread and it's kind of like that when you're trying to get your needs met by a parent who has a disorder like this you're, you're asking them to give you something they don't have it's not like they don't want to give it to you or that you don't deserve it they just don't have it uh, to give in the first place um, so that brings me to my next question um, do you think that there are um, if we know that we can't change that parent and and that that um, disorder is pretty much the way it's gonna be um, what do you what can you do to overcome this to get healthy to teach yourself how to have boundaries and how to emotionally regulate your, your feelings and how to be a healthy person when you've never seen healthy and you don't know what healthy is what are some ways that you can begin to take the steps that you need to take to be uh, happy and healthy and whole okay so um, let me just uh, go back to to my journey just to just to begin answering your question when I came out when I tried to come out of this situation so I, I didn't know head or tail. I don't know what was going on. I never knew that there's such thing called narcissism until I came across that term. Mm -hmm. So how do we get about get going with this, this healing process? My journey started when I re recognized the term narcissism, when I started reading up about it. And then I realized there were actually people like this existed. There, there, there's people like this around us and I'm not alone. So that itself was like an aha moment for me. It was a trigger point for me saying that, okay, so there are, there is such a condition and I'm not alone. And, and I don't have to waste days and nights going crazy thinking about this whole situation because it, it didn't make sense. I cannot associate my parent with the, it was a disorder because I don't know that it was actually a disorder. And when I realized that, that's when things came to light. There's like a spotlight in my life here. Oh, 
okay, this is narcissism right. and this is how it is. And then the next step would be to first forgive yourself. I feel that is the most powerful thing to do simply because all these years we have carried an emotional baggage that we don't really deserve to, to carry all along with us. There's just so much of emotional baggage, so much of guilt, so much of shameful things that we think about ourselves. We have subjected ourselves to so much of baggage, so much of burden. Mm -hmm. And this is a wrong thing to do simply because we deserve the best. And by, by denying our rights, denying our happiness, we have actually created a void for ourselves. And it's, it's unjust for us. So the first thing to do is to forgive ourselves. I think it's easier to forgive them sometimes than to forgive ourselves. You know? Because forgiving ourselves is selfish. This is the right There's thing. There's something to do. prohibitive that it just keeps nagging at you like that must be true. I must be this, you know, it's a very exactly. deeply embedded kind of it's it goes beyond insecurity it's it's a um it's like they've injected a toxin or poison or curse upon you to believe that you're you're you know not okay and it's very hard to uh you know the world stigmatizes all of this so uh they don't welcome people and encourage them to heal and all of that they don't understand unless they've been through it uh, a lot of the time and so it's it's really hard I know I forgave my mother before I forgave my uh, can you say again what you're saying about uh, what may not be easy for some people forgiving them may not be easy forgiving the parent may not be easy. oh okay yeah, because narcissists, whether or not, whether they have a personality disorder, everybody can choose to heal. Everybody can choose to, to get out of the situation by putting some effort on, by, on you know, by putting some effort to, to get out of it, to, to at least try to hear what the child has to say. But this parent chose not to. This parent chose to stay stuck in their shell chose to continue to abuse that child so a narcissist can choose to heal but if they don't then it is their fault not mine not the child mm -hmm. so for a child to start forgiving the parent itself it's it's a huge thing for the child to do and i think that is very very um how do we say it is a it feels light when you start forgiving in general yeah, yeah. just just use the term forgiveness no need to forgive them no need to forgive us in the in general the term forgiveness itself makes us feel light isn't it yes and it we requires um it requires acceptance of things you cannot yes. change kind of like that whole uh 12 step creed where it says to accept the things you cannot change change the things you can and try to have the wisdom 
about which things you can change and which things you can't. That's paraphrasing it. But the message is the same. Um, we can't change what happens and we can't change them. That dynamic of what they do with the guilting and the shaming and the controlling and and the lack of empathy towards their children, that happens way until adulthood. They could be, you know, 60, 70 year old senior citizens and still doing that to their children. Oh, yes. Yes, yes. It's already embedded. You can see as they grow old, for people, I, I would believe that when you, you grow old, you get wiser, your wisdom grows because of the years of experience. However, with a narcissistic parent, you will see that their life cycle deteriorates over time. Yes. And it's all attributed to them. And when we choose to step out of that circle, when we choose to not make that a part of our life, it is not our responsibility to lift them out. We can only do as much. But right now, it is now our own life, our own journey that we have to continue. So when that happens, we are actually helping ourselves out of the situation. So we can, can you see them? Can you yeah. talk a little bit about the, your holistic approach to healing and setting those boundaries to a deal with an adult? Like you're an adult now, you're not a child anymore, and you still have that parent that you have to interact with who is still doing the same destructive things that they have always done. What are some of the ways you can protect yourself um, and and you know have the boundaries you need and the responses and the and the you know frame of mind that you need to to navigate that assuming that uh you you're not cutting them off completely and removing them completely from your life sometimes situationally you can't do that so how do you handle them yeah so you're right when I discovered narcissism and, and research goes by, there is a point of a, in my life that I'm unable to cut them off completely. I believe many of us face that situation that mm -hmm. if it's a relationship, a spouse or something, maybe we can do that. But as a parent, we are obliged to a certain extent to not cut them off completely. So how do we navigate the situation? It all comes back to us, Prajinta. It's always back to us. Whatever now that you've realized that situation, you have come to an acceptance, you understand, you have forgiven them, us, we have that mental clarity. And when you look back, you've realized that you've given them so much of power the words meant so much to you take that power away whatever that they say or do must not affect us in any way because the words yeah. only come from them but the processing of the words the thoughts whatever that that comes after the words is on to us so are you what saying want to do are you, are you saying that our our reaction like we we can't stop what they say and do but we can change our reaction to it our response to it the way that it is impactful to us how do we do that 
as I mentioned, reframing your thoughts. As you are able to understand and accept that situation, you do not empower them. Whatever that they see, that, that figure of the heroic figure that they are, this narcissistic parent, we always seek validation from them, right? Yeah. We seek the support and things like that. Now they are no more that figure. You are removing that, that image from them. And when that happens, you tend not to internalize the words that they throw at you. Example, if they say, why are you dressing up this way? Why do you look so ugly? You know for a fact that it's not true. So, sometimes a lot of things comes because of our own drama. We like to attach ourselves to emotional drama. You know, we, we tend to, to like that, that, that drama, that comfort thing that it gives us when we indulge in all this. Remove that from your parent. You can still indulge in dramas. You can still indulge uh, people or other people around you, but not your parent. Try not to to take anything that they say into consideration. Well, let, let me, can I ask you this real quick? Something comes to mind. So I have a friend whose parent is is not okay, and she talks to that parent every morning. I'm not sure why it's become routinized, like a, an everyday practice. First thing when she wakes up, she calls. She says it's because they're in different time zones. Her mother lives um, three time zones away. It's three hours later where her mom is, and her mom's like waiting for that call. So she calls as soon as she wakes up every day, and, and the mother is uh, toxic and continues to say these things. And... No matter how much she has awareness of what this is, no matter how much she has accepted and forgiven, it still gets under her skin. And this is a, a woman in her 50s. Her mom is um, in her 70s. And I see that there's danger in a way to continue having to let them be part of your daily life in a way that there's that whatever they say, it's not just uh, dismissed and minimized like, oh, well, you know, that's, they're, they're wrong. I know better. I am. Fill in the blank, all this wonderful stuff. I, it's not true what she's saying about me. It's, it still gets, it affects her. It is, it's impactful in a negative way. So you're, you're saying that we, we need to remember what is the situation and not allow ourselves to be reactionary. But how do you do yes. that? My friend can't seem to put on a shield or some kind of armor to just let it bounce off a little bit, maybe, but it still gets through. Sure. So this is an advice for your friend. So I know exactly how this feels. So this is the, the part when you are, a, you are a survivor or a thriver out of this, this relationship with your narcissistic parent. You know exactly what situation people are going through. So this is exactly the same situation that I've been through after oh. marriage. Or, this has been the same thing. I used to call my parents the very first thing in the morning. Yeah. And it continued right after marriage. So it was a, a thing that that has been established by my mom yeah. saying that 
when you wake up early in the morning make sure the first thing that you do is you have to call me mm-hmm. you have to call me yes and um, so the calls were every day three times a day oh, and wow. every time she's abusive yeah so there's a time frame uh, you have to call me at this time this time this time regardless whether i'm working or not i just have to take some time off and call her just to listen to her abuse not okay. every day abusive i would say you know certain days when she gets a bit more crazy <laughs> then you get to hear all the things so this is an advice for your friend who is forcing you to abide by the rules of your mom to call you every day in the morning her this guilt i realized her guilt I'm... and shame probably right is that where we're going exactly. with this exactly exactly it's it's a big so when thing. you have come to an exactly so when you come to an understanding and acceptance do you want your day to start with an abusive comment how would i start my day with an abusive comment this is unbelievable it's 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 stupid sorry to say this this is what i told myself because when i hear this abusive comments every morning and i'm supposed to call her three times a day i wake up being very moody <laughs> i start not not uh, yes i start um, throwing uh, showing my moods to people around me who have no idea what i'm going through and who does not even need to you know to face all exactly. this exactly because of my personal intentions because of my personal experience because of my personal choices it is not right for me to throw tantrums to the people around me when you have come to a wholesome understanding and acceptance you will not do that because in your mind you will say i am not like my mom i am not my dad the people around me do not deserve this i have to be better so this how do you say no up- you know she's thought of making excuses like uh my work has a has a meeting first thing in the morning now they've they've changed things and i've got to be there right uh, at eight so i'm not going to be able to call you every morning uh you know and and she would try to kind of start and then the mom would say well call me as soon as the meeting's over and it's just how do you stand up and just say i'm not going to call i, I i'm going to call you once a week or twice a week and like wednesdays and sundays I will call you. But that's all I can do. Period. <laughs> how how do you get to the place where you can stand up and do that when you're still you're still in that um you're in the what is the word I'm looking for? You're still in that dynamic where you know, you're still participating in the abuse is really what what it is and you feel yeah, helpless. It's not easy. You feel helpless. It's definitely not easy. Yes, it's definitely not easy. The same thing. I was very guilty the first day I decided not to call her in the morning. Yeah. I was very guilty. It was it was it, it that itself was a draining process for me. It was How long did it take? How long should we expect like if we put our foot down and say, "Okay, this is the change that's going to happen. I'm not going to be able to call you first thing in the morning. This is how it's going to be. How long should we think that it's going to take to be having that as a new routine that's comfortable? Very subjective to people. Different What people. I did was I would I would just share my experience maybe this might help. 
when I decided that I will not call, and of course, I got calls upon calls wondering what happened. So I stopped. First, it was a very gradual process because I needed to cope up with this. So first, it was stopping the morning calls and then stopping the three times a day and then gradually. Yes, I got bad. I was I was hurled with so many abuses mm-hmm. when I decided to take the call. Always remember when things like this comes into place, it's I decide. I choose. You have so the when power. You say, yes. When you say things like this, it makes you powerful. It is not an easy process. I'm not saying that it can happen overnight. It took me 30 over years to come, yes. over, come out of Yes, yes. It. Well, yes. let me ask you this. Let's say you get into conversations face-to-face or on the phone mm. or at some point with this narcissistic parent. You're an adult and they start insulting you. What do you do? Do, are there things you can say to deflect it? Should you argue and say that's not true? Should you just walk away and close that visit at that point and say, oh, well, I got to go now? Or What are ways that you can, can defend yourself or get out of that situation so that you don't just take it and tolerate the, the abuse? Right now, the single most effective technique is gray rocking. Is gray rocking. Ah. Yeah. The thing that I do all the time, every time, and it works. (laughs) Simply because the narcissist wants to get a reaction from you. They are looking for the trigger point to get you irritated, to get under your skin. Because it's some sort of a fought for them i know it's kind and of it sick. gives them the fuel and supply that they need to feel uh fed i mean they're hungry they're empty they they're they have a hollow emptiness inside of them and how they fill that up is with your responses so when you exactly. when you don't respond someone taught me this in, in a psychology class many years ago we won't say how many years ago but it was many years ago and they said when you're in those situations there's two people and they're both pushing and that makes the conflict but if one of them steps back the other one what happens they just fall on their face nothing exactly <laughs> because there's exactly. nothing to push up against so you stop the conflict you stop the trying to defend yourself you stop trying to argue you stop trying to speak the truth because they're never going to hear it you just stop exactly stop yourself step back and just um, be silent or change the subject and say oh um, I made a casserole last night or something but be very unemotional and do not let yourself show an emotional reactionary response because that is the fuel to keep it going right yeah you do not yes you do not react to it at all so initially this is what happens you when you start deciding for yourself that you are not going to make that call because you are the one who's taking the phone you are the one who's dialing the number you're in control who is there yeah, who is who is actually forcing you to do that? You are the one. Your yeah. mind, your thoughts, whatever that you your see. Your guilt. You feel obligated. You feel like I'm a bad bad daughter. I'm a bad son if I don't. Which is not true. Contact them, and of course that's not true. But it's true by the norms of the world that if you don't contact your parent, then you're not a good 
child as an adult you know you have to contact your parent well that that's assuming that the parent is not impaired and is not disordered and is not mentally unwell in that situation i think it's more important that you protect yourself because if you don't protect protect yourself you're modeling that kind of helplessness to your children and to the people watching you you're teaching them it's okay to be trapped in this vicious circle of craziness uh, that's just what people do that's what you're teaching them and so i think the message should be you've got to not respond like you said the gray rock is a great technique yeah. to 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 get things under control do you have any other tips for us before we're, we're getting ready to run out of time uh do you have any other tips for us of what we can do when faced with this um very damaging and and toxic uh person in our lives <laughs> so gray rocking is one method but True, effective grey rocking only works when you yourself do not internalize it. Initially, it happens when it will be this way. You start grey rocking them. At first, you will tend to process it. After that, after that incident, maybe you go to the back and you start crying or you start pawling or you know you try you react in some other way. But, but you don't grey rocking see only. It. You don't let yes, them see yes. that. That's the important part. Correct. So that's the so then that's that's the next step. First is to stop doing things by your own accord. As in, you don't pick up the call, you don't pick up the phone, you don't dial their number. It's you who's doing it. So realize that mm -hmm. and say, I decide, I choose, and I choose not to call. So let them call. Let them pull their abuses. You may listen because it's now the technology is so advanced. You can just. Just listen and decide to cut the call. Who's who's stopping you from doing that? Listen to that abuse. The first step, the second step would be to go to another side and do not show your emotions to them, but you can try to vent out elsewhere. The final step, the final step of acceptance, which is the true gray rocking method, is to not let that words affect you at all. Which means that after that call is over, after the meeting is over, just move on you're that not affected is over. yeah you're, there's no yes. negative uh you're you're you don't let it harm you you don't believe it and it's not a trigger uh for you anymore. it's not a trigger point at all exactly exactly it's not a trigger at all that would be the true gray rocking method because if you believe that you have come to an acceptance and you know that person will not be able to change. There is no point to burden yourself even further because whatever that it's just like a, say forgiveness, acceptance, like a child blabbering something, mm -hmm. like a person who don't even know what they are doing. So what's the point of giving so much of energy to something that is so meaningless, something that is so powerless? This is true acceptance, and this is true gray rocking. I like the other technique as well. Uh, you were asking for techniques to overcome this. It's yeah. to say something unrelated. It really irritates them. And sometimes it's it's a very uh, crude thing to see them getting irritated instead of us. So when they throw abuses, have you eaten? 
you just ask something that is so unrelated out of context it will just take them aback yeah and realize yeah that they are they are unable to do anything about it so they they keep on continue throwing abuses you you make something uh, you you create a statement out of nowhere uh why why do you look different is there something or is there something in the fridge that i can eat if you are having a face to face meeting uh, you know when you go and meet them or something like that just just say something that is out of context you get to irritate them that is another way of doing it but the the best way is to grey rock them and if you value yourself do not allow yourself to be abused how and they start throwing abuses at you walk away say okay it's enough that is so hard to, to do <laughs> that is so hard <laughs> to do to just walk away uh my mother used to know all of the ways to hook me into these insane arguments that I could never win. Now tell me about it. And I just kept thinking, I'm going to say something different this time. And this will be the time that she sees the light and she'll say, Oh, now I get it all this time. I didn't get it, but now I do. Thank you for, for telling me and teaching me. And I just kept thinking that's going to happen. I just need to say it a different way. I just need to come up with a different example. I just need to, I need to, I need to. And I just kept going and I could not control myself to be quiet, step away, walk away, extricate myself from the situation. I couldn't do it. I would stand there and argue with her for an hour or more. And it was just a circular, pointless, crazy making gaslighting cognitive dissonance chaos and i just did not have the power to to control and not be reactionary and not be delusional in thinking that eventually i was gonna get my point across it took me forever to understand that what i was trying to get her to see or to hear she couldn't she just couldn't yes she couldn't and, and imagine I, all the energy spent all that energy spent all of that uh, stress hormones released all that cortisol all of that disruption yes. of all of my body the trauma the the terrible feeling i was just flooded with every time that happened was for nothing and i think we have to exactly. all remember that it has no purpose it's not going to achieve anything so just stop stop engaging and if it's gray rock okay if it's limiting conversations to once a week or something you have control to set that schedule into something that is manageable for you and and to control how it goes if they go to the toxic place and they start mocking you or criticizing you or doing the things that they do then it's time to say oh well you know my cat just threw up i've got to go <laughs> my house is on fire i've got to go oh i'm so sorry mom yeah. dad uh but um, i would just like to make this a point Prajita. sorry to interrupt just no, to just to fine. you know to wrap this up the thing is, as you grow older and you realize that you're stuck with narcissistic parenting parents and you want to get out of the cycle, your priorities will change over time. Your yes. family comes first. Your spouse comes first. Your children comes first. You know, your, your four kids, 
come around. Your career comes first. When you start changing your goals of life, you will realize that your parent is just a part of it. And when you start spending a lot of energy and when you realize that there's a lot of energy, toxic energy going towards them, there will be a point of time yeah. saying that what is there? What is it there for me? Where, where is my life heading to? I have a husband to take care of. I have children to take care of. I have my four kids to take care of. Why am I not prioritizing my life? Mm -hmm. When you have that, that goal-oriented mindset, after this my direct family these people are the ones that i need to take care of you will automatically slowly let your parent go you will not have the time to think about it see for example my day is filled with a lot of things what i did was i got into ngos i have i have a full-time job that i have to focus on i have a family to feed you know when your priorities change yes things like this doesn't matter anymore this blabbering, this this whole abuse—it's not true, by the way. So, so why, 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 you no know, give so much of weightage to that? Mm -hmm. When your priorities change, that's when you when you have a goal-oriented mindset. This is what I teach in my framework. When you empower your life, when you prove yourself, you are worthy by, you know, by having meaningful relationships around you, by yes. having meaningful mindsets and goals around you you will realize that your parent is just a part of your past and thanks to them you are a resilient person right now there are many things that i'm actually thankful to my parent simply because by dealing with people like that i have the ability to deal with so many other difficult people around me and yes. it doesn't it doesn't absolutely <laughs> yes i don't break a sweat anymore is it thank thanking my parent in that sense yes. so whatever my mother said not to do i will do it or whatever she said yeah. do i will not do it now this is the way i i think because her advice doesn't mean anything it has never allowed me to grow but the way she was the way how i was having such a hard time navigating life at very young age has given me so much of strength and resilience and i believe adult children of narcissistic parents they do have that as well i think they that that's a wonderful uh way to look at it as an opportunity to grow to be stronger to be uh smarter less reactionary in general that's a good thing uh to just navigate life um and be empowered by the, all of that experience to just leverage that for your to turn it into your strengths and your superpowers instead of and instead of looking at it as as a wounding and and, and all of that um, we are running out of tape today uh, dr. Pravina Rajendra um, would you like to um, give us a way to contact you uh, if people have more questions how can they reach out to you they can uh, book a call with me via my website at www.drpravina.com. It's dr pravena P-R-A-V-E-E-N-A.com. So you can go to my website and book a call. It will be a free 30 minutes consultation session. And uh, let's talk. And I yes. would like to see yeah, how I can help you. Because this is kind of my life mission already. Absolutely. There are no, so many yeah. people 
uh, out there who are dealing with this and um, you know help is there there's there's a lot of people who who have this so thank you dr. Rajendra for uh, your insight today and hopefully we can reach out to you I'll put some contact information in my notes uh, in the podcast okay thank